0: And I'm excited about the book of Mark. By the way, God of miracles. You say, Josh, but didn't you hear that theologian say that God said he doesn't supernaturally heal anymore? Didn't you hear that that professor at the seminary say that, oh, no, that doesn't happen anymore? You know, God said, no, God never said. Read your Bible. God can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it, and whenever he wants to do it. And I'm I'm done putting God in a box. I'm done with that mess. If I don't think God can heal heal Carson, then I'm not even going to pray for her. If I don't think God can't heal Harrison Kennedy, I'm not even going to pray. But if I'm going to pray, daggone, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. And I appreciate the worship this morning. The book of Mark. Man, I I am pumped about being on this Dirt Roads series and you know, we may change up the video halfway through. We're going to be in this in Mark quite a bit. If you have any song suggestions, just let us know, and uh, we might be able to add it into the into the intro video. It has to go through an approval process first, just FYI. Uh, but uh, I did think that this series would help me uh, to be able to throw music puns as often as possible as I preach, which I try to do and uh, try to stay faithful to that. But anyway, the beginning of the good news. The beginning of the good news. The gospel of Mark. As the Old Testament books of Malachi and Nehemiah, you remember we went through Nehemiah? The last chapter of Nehemiah actually ends at the same time that the book of Malachi does. So those are the two ending books of the Old Testament. God takes the world through three to four hundred years of silence. Uh, Literally where God seems to have hidden himself in preparation for what was to come. And certainly the gospel of Mark does not pick up the story as early as some of the other gospels. There is no birth of Christ, Christmas story necessarily here in this book. But what we do find is the beginning of the life of Christ. Recorded as the next great event after these hundreds of years of silence. We are brought into the story by the, by the writer here. As Jesus is about to begin his earthly ministry, we pick up the story at a time when people had to be thirsty For God to reveal himself think about it. The oldest person in this room is under the age of 80 To think that four times that five times that your lifetimes there had been nothing from God There had been no revelation from him think about Over a hundred years older than our country, they had not heard from God. And so there had to be this thirst. They had even gone as far as to follow astronomy and a miraculous proclamation from the angels to the shepherds, right? For the birth of what had been billed as the Messiah. But here we are 30 years later, as we pick up the book of Mark. And we haven't really seen anything from this physical Messiah other than what's recorded in another gospel when he was 12 years old at the temple where he confounded the theologians in the temple. Other than that, in the recorded gospels, we really have not seen anything for 30 years. So, God, you made us wait for 400 years. And then the birth of the Messiah has come. He's here. And now 30 years later, we've really seen him once. Thirsty. What was the life of this Messiah going to be like if he truly was who he claimed to be or who he was proclaimed to be? As we tackle this first gospel, if I may, this morning, I want to begin with these guiding markers to approaching any gospel. And so I want us to understand these things. Um, These are five uh, guardrails we can put up. And remember, we must properly and accurately interpret Scripture in context. We cannot just think, we just cannot say that the Scripture says something that we don't know that it says, okay? So I'm trying to help you here as we go through these guidelines. This is given by Danny Aiken, who's the uh, president at Southeastern uh, Seminary. He says this, five things. Number one, the gospels, the gospels are historical by nature. What they record really did happen. Okay, These are not allegories, these are not once upon a times, these really happened. Number two, details may vary because they were written by four different people to four different audiences, but because they were all inspired by God, all they wrote is truth. Okay, understand this, while God inspired the Holy Spirit, breathed and and breathed out the Word of God, you have to understand that Mark many think wrote this through the tongue of Peter telling Mark what happened. Okay, You have John who wrote to a completely different audience and Matthew, Luke, they all wrote. Luke was a medical doctor. Think of the, just the thought process. Why do you think Luke's gospel really details the birth of Christ more? There, there are things like that, so they're going to come from different perspectives, but, but realize all they wrote is truth. Number three, the gospels are more than simply historical documentation. They are a written theology of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay, so yes, this is historical in nature. Yes, it is telling us things that we need to know historically, but this is also recording a supernatural life of Jesus Christ. We must balance those things as we walk through this book. Number four, portions of each gospel may be summarized and are not necessarily exhaustive accounts of the whole story. There are many stories that I'm going to try my best, with the Lord's help, not to always bounce back and forth between the Gospels, because then why preach the Gospel if you're going to preach all four of them? All right, so I'm going to try my best to stay in Mark. But understand this, there are going to be some stories. For instance, the temptation of Jesus is coming up right next. It's one verse in the book of Mark. It's one verse. So it's a summary, Um, where it is detailed in another gospel and I'm not going to spend the time every week to say let's go to the other gospel and look at the 18 verses I'm going to try to stick with Mark just understanding that Mark summarizes some things and we're going to do the same as we walk through number five and I love this the gospels are more focused on Christ's death than his life more than one-fourth of the gospels are dedicated to just his final week of life so it's focused on his death this is Not to be morbid this morning, but everything that we're going to read about really is leading up to his death. But then obviously we know, ultimately, his resurrection. But all four Gospels agree in that, that they really are about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. May we keep these important truths in mind as we travel uh, with Jesus. We're going to be in hot desert areas. We're going to be in small villages. We're going to walk these dirt roads. Remember, we're going to be not in his shoes. We're going to be in his sandals. All right? He's, I, I would assume Jesus wore Birkenstocks. I would assume. Um, nothing but the best. But we're going to go through major cities, small villages. We're going to see the sick healed. We're going to see the dead raised. We're going to see miracles take place. We're going to see him come into his own and his own not receive him. We're going to see him die a humble death. We're going to see him rise in victory, but we're going to walk on these dirt roads as Jesus goes from town to town, a gypsy, going from town to town as the Son of God. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Speak through this series. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're in the book of Mark, the first chapter, the first verse. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Verse 6, now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey and he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of, of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Number one this morning, let's see the origins of the New Testament gospel. The origins of the New Testament gospel, the first verse, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This specific gospel, penned, we think, by John Mark, uh, most scholars would agree with that, was written to the Romans, telling them that Jesus, in fact, was the one who would give his life as a ransom for many. We're going to walk through this fast-moving and hard-hitting gospel and see the works of Jesus front and center. And may I add this morning, Mark's gospel does jump from story to story, from story to story, and topic to topic, and so... If it feels like we're not necessarily building on, a, on one of Paul's letters, we're not. Okay, We're just following Mark's gospel. Notice the use of the word beginning. The beginning of the gospel. This is a parallel word to Genesis 1, one. In the beginning, the origins, God. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word. This is the beginning of the good news of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. It starts... Right here. Now certainly if you've been in our church for longer than a couple of months, you'll understand that we believe that the gospel has been present throughout the entire Old Testament. We, we believe that the gospel is symbolized and the gospel is found throughout the entire New, uh, Old Testament as well. In fact, beginning, I believe, in Genesis chapter 3 where, uh, where Adam and Eve sin and, and the punishment for their sin, they try to cover with their own coverings and Jesus comes and has to kill an animal And he covers them with the skins of an animal. Blood had to be shed. We believe the gospel, to me, that is when the gospel, the first obvious sign of the gospel was. But this is the beginning of the gospel wrapped in flesh. This is the beginning of the good news of the glorious gospel that is visible to human beings. This is the beginning of Jesus, the living gospel. Here and now, the gospel has taken on. Flesh and blood. Since Mark doesn't cover the miraculous birth of Christ, his audience, the Romans, wouldn't necessarily major on that. But now the time has come that Jesus was to begin his earthly ministry. The living, breathing gospel and good news was finally on the scene and on display visibly. This is one of the most important confessions in Scripture and most certainly one of the most important confessions in this gospel. That this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. By the way, the gospel that is presented in this book, in this book of Mark, and we're going to find it uh, just in the next couple of weeks, this gospel was not, a, was not a cheap gospel. This gospel was not a, let me throw a three-minute sales pitch at you, get you to repeat this quick prayer after me so I can say, yay, I think you're going to go to heaven one day. No, this was a deep gospel of repentance. We're about to, we're about to hit that. Repentance. Confession of sin, faith in Jesus, following Christ, baptism. This was the complete gospel that was preached. And by the way, this morning, may we never be, may we never be guilty of. I'm not going to use the word cheapening the gospel. May we never be guilty of not giving the gospel its worth. This morning, the gospel is not a sales pitch. The gospel is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of an unbeliever. The gospel this morning is not how eloquently can I say it. No, the gospel this morning is, does the Holy Spirit of God convict your heart that you are a sinner in need of a Savior on your way to hell and without Jesus you have no hope. That's the gospel this morning. It's not my job to sell it to you. It's my job to just give it. It's my job to just preach it. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Number two this morning, let's look at the forerunner of the Son of God, the forerunner. Maybe that was the car in the the video, Zach, a forerunner. The forerunner of the Son of God. You saw him in the the intro video. Look at verse 2, Mark chapter 1, next verse. Okay, the beginning of the gospel, now next verse. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is John, verse 4 tells us. John came baptizing. That's how he got his name, John the Baptist. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Don't let that scare you. We'll get there. Then all the land of Judea and, from, and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He was a sharp-looking fellow. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We welcome to our dirt road trip a man by the name of John the Baptist. He was foretold both in Malachi and in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That verse is just taken from Malachi and Isaiah. John is one of the characters that is on display in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We hear about this man, John the Baptist. He is so effective in his short life. We believe he was beheaded about age 35. John lived a life of continual repentance and uncompromising devotion to God. And he was a fearless man. Fearless in his proclamation of the Messiah, he preached a message of baptism and repentance to the Jews. I want I want you to listen very closely. This is a little bit academic this morning, but it's good when someone says, "Hey, Mark chapter one says baptism the baptism for the remission of your sins. What does that mean? Why don't you guys believe that baptism takes away your sins?" It's always good to be like, "Okay, here's what it means." Okay, so a little bit of academia here for you. But he preached this. This was to the Jews, and in the past. Baptisms were only meant for Gentiles who were converting to Judaism. So a Gentile who wasn't a Jew that was going to convert to the religion of the Jews was baptized. But John says, no, if you're going to be truly baptized, this man who's coming after me, if you're going to be truly a convert of his, uh, this baptism is for Jews, this baptism is for Gentiles. You all should be baptized. And I warn you this morning not to get lost in the weeds on that, but this is John saying, listen, there's, gonna, there's about to be a step of repentance and faith that you're going to have to take in this man named Jesus. I'm forewarning you. By the way, in the Bible, baptism was not this huge separate thing that happened. It was you were saved and baptized. You were saved and baptized. You believed and you were baptized. You believed and you were baptized. In fact, uh, we find as, as, as in, the, uh, in the epistles, hey, listen, they got saved and they were looking for baptismal water. Hey, where can I get baptized? I just believed I need to get baptized so let's not try to separate those things uh, too much this morning. So let's not get lost in the weeds on John's baptism. Here's what we know. It was an external baptism focused on the outward repentance of sin. Certainly that is a major part of the gospel. We must understand that. But he quickly pointed to a superior and an ultimate baptism that awaited those who believed on the name of Jesus. He says, I indeed baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John told his followers that he could drench them in water, that was an external baptism, but that Jesus could be the only one who would drench them in the Holy Spirit, which was a supernatural internal baptism. What an incredible truth that when we believe on the name of the Son of God of Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit baptizes us. Permeates our being, becomes the interior God in our lives. We are washed, we are cleansed, and we are filled with the Spirit of the living God when we're baptized. What an awesome display of that here in the first chapter of the book of Mark. But equally awesome is the fact that we then can publicly proclaim our baptism, that we've repented of our sins publicly externally by hopping up there behind the screen in the water and going under uh, the, the death and the burial of christ and coming up the resurrection of christ pointing to the gospel this morning we still can partake in both of these baptisms the internal baptism of the holy spirit the external display of our faith in water baptism so was this baptism from john even important hey it's just external And we know this, we don't focus necessarily on the external. We focus on the inside of the cup. And if we focus on the inside of the cup, the outside of the cup will take care of itself. So was this even important? Why don't we look and see what Jesus said or did about this external baptism? Number three, the baptism of our Lord. Let's look at it in verse 9. Walking right through this book, look at verse 9 came to pass in those days that that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus and his commitment to associate himself with mankind. uh, Jesus and his commitment to be tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus in his holy commitment to facing life as you and I would face it. Jesus in his full commitment to associate himself with me and with you was baptized, according to Matthew's gospel, to fulfill all righteousness. I believe Jesus was baptized to say, listen, this is a step of faith that you need to take visibly for yourself, for the gospel, for those around you. I'm going to model that for you. Jesus didn't have to be baptized. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Jesus was the good news. He was the gospel. But Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And what an absolutely beautiful picture takes place. You may have already noticed it as we've read through now two times. Uh, this text, but this beautiful picture of the inexplicable doctrine of the Trinity. You say, Josh, explain the Trinity to me. I can't. I can I can debate it and look around and try to find some really cool illustrations for the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I can do my best. I've heard people say it's like a rope, and that there's a three three twine rope and it's going through, but it's still one rope, but it's still three different pieces. Fine. I've heard people say. It's like a river, and that river is together, and that river splits apart into three, and that river comes back together, and it splits apart, and it comes back. I've heard it said like that. I've heard it said like this. I am, a, uh, I am a son, I am a father, and I was a grandson. I am all three of those things, yet I am also who I am. If I've, tried, I've heard people try to explain it. Those are all great and wonderful. Here's what I like to do. I like to point to biblical examples of the Trinity and just say, man, isn't that awesome? Isn't that that great? Look Look at Jesus, the Son of God, is being baptized. Okay? Jesus, the Son of God, is baptized. The Spirit of God, as a dove, descends upon him. So we have God the Son, and we have God the Spirit together in the same place. And then what do we hear? We are the voice of God the Father. And he declares, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What a beautiful picture of the full and complete Godhead in harmony. Here at the baptism of Jesus. And by the way, God the Father says, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You remember, that's the same God the Father when Jesus is on the cross. What does he do? turns his back. Just keep this in mind. As Jesus is baptized in his perfect, sinless, holy body, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When that same Jesus takes upon your sin, and he takes upon my sin, and he becomes the sin of the world, this man, Jesus, who his father, God the Father, looks upon and says, well done, my beloved son. And whom I'm well pleased. Just three years later. Will turn his back. As that same son Jesus. Becomes the sin of the world. He can't look upon sin as holiness. And his righteousness. But what a beautiful picture this morning. The baptism of Jesus. Why did Jesus get baptized? I I believe it was full well. Because it was to fulfill all righteousness. It was to say listen. This is. The gospel to the full. The gospel to the full. You say, Josh, do you believe if you've you've trusted Jesus and with your whole heart believed on him as your Savior and not been water baptized yet, do you believe that you are saved? I I do believe that, but I do believe this. There is a major piece of your faith that is yet to be latched in. There's a major piece of your faith. In my opinion, there's a major first step of your faith that that the foundation has not been laid yet. So if you're here today and you have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you've never followed him in baptism, I believe that to be the first step of faith. I believe Jesus modeled it. I believe it's modeled throughout the entire New Testament. And if you are are interested in that, please see me and we would love to baptize you this morning. But this was the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I ask you this morning, as we traveled this first dirt road with Jesus, what if you're the other person? What if you've received the external baptism, but never truly had your heart baptized in the spirit? What if you had the external, but never experienced the true internal? Can I say that was me? Can I say that I grew up in a pastor's home and had the church bulletin memorized and knew all the songs and I knew all the hiding spots in the church. Fell through the ceiling one time. I'll tell you that story later. <clears throat> I knew all, of, that, that was me. Baptized when I was four years old. Didn't even know what in the world, anyway. Baptized when I was four years old. That baptism did no more for me than hopping in the bathtub. By the way, as I got older, you know, I need to do that more and more. You know, you get in like fourth, fifth grade, it's like, please, hop in the bathtub. Stanky little kid. Listen, me hopping in the baptistry at four years old did nothing more for me than hopping in the bathtub. If you've been externally baptized and you've never truly had a salvation experience, then you've done nothing but hop in some water and hop back out. This morning, I ask you today, have you truly been baptized by the Holy Spirit of God? It's not anything spooky today. That means this. When you believe on the name of the Son of God, the book of Ephesians tells us the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life. uh, Mark chapter 1 tells us that it is an eternal baptism of the Spirit. He comes and dwells inside of you. Period. Nothing spooky about that. God in spirit form lives inside of you. That's why those of us who have believed on the name of the Son of God, that's why life is different. And we may not externally show it as much as we ought to, but that's why that, that something's different on the inside. Something's different. And I ask you this morning, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Have you received Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Have you believed on that good news? Have you believed the gospel this morning? Have you believed that Jesus did come and that he, he did live a sinless life. And he was born of a virgin. And he did die the death that you deserve to die. Do you believe this morning that if Jesus hadn't died for you, that you would split hell wide open this morning? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus didn't just die, but that he was buried for only three days and that he rose again in triumph over death, over sin, over hell? Do you believe that this morning? If you believe that and you're willing to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus this morning, I invite you to do that. Hey, listen, there's no better day than today there's no better time than right now you say but josh i don't think you understand people look at me differently and they think i'm a leader or they think that i've been in church and they think i've been saved for years hey, same thing with me it's okay at some point in time your your humility needs to allow you to be saved can i say that again your humility needs to allow you to be saved To think that pride would be what kept you from entering eternal bliss in heaven or eternal torment in hell. To think that pride would have kept me out out of a relationship, a true relationship with Jesus. To think that this morning. I can't imagine. But this morning, have you trusted in this Jesus? This one that John said, hey, I'm just a voice preparing the way. Listen, listen to me, but man, this guy is coming behind me. I'm not even worthy to bend down and to latch up his sandals. He is so much higher and so much greater than me. Hey, yeah, be baptized with water, but he can baptize you internally with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, this first sermon in Dirt Roads this morning is simply an invitation to the real, true gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is only the beginning of the good news. Heavenly Father, it is good news. It is a proclamation this morning. It's a proclamation that in our sin, we can never live up. It is a proclamation this morning that if we are left to do life on our own. We will mess it up every time. It's the gospel this morning that says, for all have sinned, for all have sinned. It's the gospel this morning that says, there's none righteous. It's the gospel this morning that says, you can't go to church enough, you can't give enough, you can't be kind enough, you can't be good enough. It's the gospel that says you can't measure up. But it's the gospel that says someone measured up in your place. It's the gospel this morning that says someone came and lived the sinless life that you could not live. He lived the life you could not live. And in turn, he died the sinner's death on the cross. The death of That you and I deserve for the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. The penalty of sin is death. And if you'd like to pay your own penalty this morning, you can do so. You can do so by spending an eternity separated from God, death. Or this morning you can believe in the name of the Son of God. But the gift of God is eternal life thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.